Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a four-center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Star Wars Ranked. The concept is simple. Me and a guest, we have a topic. Then we have things to support that topic. I couldn't have made it more simpler. With me, as sometimes always, and I'm so glad he's here tonight, Joseph Scrimshaw. I like being sometimes always. It's both a commitment and you still leave yourself a way out. You know, it's the four-center brand. You, me, Jennifer, sometimes a little clinky glasses and uh, talking about Star Wars in the way that we do. Yeah. And 
get right to the topic of this episode. This is why uh, you guys have clicked. We have a lot of new ears to the podcast because of The Last Jedi, and we uh, are so happy to have you on board. But this is uh, tonight's topic, or today's topic, whenever, this morning's topic, is favorite moments in The Last Jedi. That is some specific wording, right? It's not clickbait. It's from a certain <laughs> point of view. This is me and Joseph's take on The Last Jedi, and the will be the 10 moments, plus some honorable mentions, that we love in this movie. This is not necessarily the best. This isn't a definitive list. I know my old... English teacher from junior high would be like, no, put the strongest statement out there. This is, though, a pretty strong statement, Joseph. It is our favorite moments that really make this movie move. Yeah, it is a strong personal I statement. These are our favorite uh, moments in this was, uh, I know I say this every time I'm on a Star Wars ranked, but this was painful. This one was extra painful because I have so many little moments I love in Last Jedi. You're absolutely right. Like, I try to make my list and I I had two right away I knew I wanted. And like, this is, knew it in the theater, you know? And <laughs> these then, are going on rank. This is it. I'm gonna make a Star Wars rank now. <laughs> and then there's yeah, a ton, a ton of things where you're like, what do I choose? What do I choose? But we have a certain way here at the, and I'm proud of the way we do things here at Force Center. We we look at things a little different at times. And this is this list is really indicative of that. So I, I want to dive right into it. I think the audience, the newer audience, will get it right away. And the old the old standbys. So glad you're here. Let's dive into our favorite moments in the Last Jedi, starting with your number five, Joseph, and working to one. All right. So I have to just give the quick caveat before I do this list that I would and almost did just five Luke Skywalker things because I love every moment of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. So if you if you listen to this episode and you tweet at me, what about this Luke Skywalker moment? I'll be like, yeah, right. It, mm-hmm. it, it ripped my heart out to not have every fun Luke Skywalker moment. So with that caveat, I'll go into my number five, which right. is not a Luke Skywalker thing. It is <laughs> Leia saves herself. And I know right away that's controversy because I know a lot of people are wrestling uh, with the the moment where Leia uses the Force and she summons herself back to the ship, back to the shattered bridge of the Rattus. But I wanted so much, one of my highest desires going into this film is seeing Leia use the Force. Right. And uh, I think it was so powerful because it made sense to me. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people have been bothered by some of the like, well, is she... uh, wouldn't she have died from being in space? Exposure, Did yeah. she actually die and come back to life? Well, then that makes her really powerful in the Force. And I know there are plenty of questions and concerns, but to me it was just so powerful because it's the way we've always seen Leia use the Force is for connection mm-hmm. and hope and survival. It's always been for survival. Even in the books when it pops up, it's always for survival. Right. And I love seeing it is an instinctual thing too. Mm-hmm. To me, one of the great things about The Last Jedi is and the sequel trilogy in general is it's uh, it's creating new ideas of how the force is used. Right. And I like the idea that the force can be used just sort of emotionally. New force lore. Right. Good thing. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I don't need a scene, you know, where Luke says like, "Hey, Leia, I know you don't want to be trained that much, but if you ever get blasted out of a bridge, there's a specific power called door suck, and here's how to use like right. that's one way to look at the force where like every specific uh, force ability requires specific training. Mm-hmm. But I really like the idea of this much more uh, nebulous emotional thing that you can just say like, here's what I want to happen, and yeah. it physically begins to happen around you. Right. It, it that's it's like a it's it's a higher level of power which Leia. Especially if you if you hear Yoda tell it in the book from a certain point of view, was the one. Might have been the chosen one. Maybe yeah. missed the calling, but I love 
the idea that Leia was going to be a Jedi after Return of the Jedi, who, her and Luke talked about it. Hey, you're going to be my first student. And she's like, the isolation needed to make that happen takes me away from the galaxy and my leadership means something. So to have her finally use the Force on screen in this level. Now, of course, Empire, she gets some Force thoughts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it's powerful. And yeah... I know a lot of people might, might be saying the execution of it awkward on the first viewing. All right, she floats in like a like the wonderful wicked witch of the West, right? Okay, yeah. I had that feeling if I'm being honest. Like, what am I watching? But the second to the rest of the viewings, and from now to the end of time, my mind's turned off to that weird look. Because then, well, how else would it matter? Is it any weirder than Ray being pulled in by Snoke? You yeah. know what I mean? It's it's just she's floating. She's floating. She's got her hand out because that's historically what you do to control the force, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So that kind of washes away. And what I'm left with is I'm so glad you picked this moment. It's just a beautiful moment. And you're going to hear me say that word beautiful a lot today. <laughs> I'm not a movie reviewer, all right? I'm not a lit major. I don't have a lot of words at my command. But the music cue, and especially yeah. when you hear William's uh, score on its own and you hear that track and that moment plays in, you're immediately taken to this beautiful powerful moment yeah yeah and i just i love the focus of it too that it is you know if leia and we get a little bit of this in the aftermath trilogy books of like leia's like no i have other things to do i don't want to give my time and my focus to that like well when you get blasted out of space into space you're only focused on that so i think from that perspective too it just it makes sense to me on right. a storytelling level and on a force level. Yeah, and I do not subscribe to the theory, though it's interesting that Kylo Ren was the one that pushed her back in. You know, have you heard this one? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, that's it's an interesting one. And I think I'll do this on the next uh, Star Wars counseling because yeah. I know a lot of people have a yeah. lot of different lot concerns of about that. And like, and I'm yeah. not uh, negating any of those. I'm just saying I love yeah. this moment where yeah. Leia, the general... And the princess saves herself. Has the power. She yeah. has the power. <laughs> My number five moment, moment. Well, I will start with a Luke Skywalker moment. Yes. And it is Luke Skywalker on the Millennium Falcon. Now, when this first appeared in that infamous TV spot during the World Series, it blew minds, right? Yeah. Luke's on the Falcon. What does that mean? Is he flying? Is he all this, all that? Turns out what we got was a very quiet, intimate moment and a sad, melancholy moment, one that is awash with nostalgia for sure, but it is true to what this movie does. It is a nostalgia. It doesn't get lost in the nostalgia. Yeah. So Luke comes on here. I love sneaks in behind Chewie eating the porgs or almost eating the porgs. Funny (laughs) moment leads to this deep moment. And there's a lot of things in this moment that I love. The way, not even how or what went, the way he says R2. Yeah. Is is Tashi Station Skywalker all over He's again. just happy to see his old friend. That's right. Yeah. And Hamill struck the perfect tone in that moment. But to sit there and he quietly, you know, he's, you just know as a fan and uh, watching an actor work, he's just running through this character's memories in this ship at this moment. And it, the visual dictionary shows us some clues that might have been more to this scene. They, the training globe yeah. and the blast shield helmet, you know, the helmet with the blast shield down are listed there. And so there might have been, st- maybe it's deleted scenes, maybe it was on the script first, I don't know, where it might have been moments where Luke shifts through, sifts through, I should say, the, the rubble, and yeah. picks up this stuff. I, I would have enjoyed seeing that, but I think that would have tipped the moment too heavy into remember when. Yeah, and also remember everything. Right. Remember all the things that happened. Yeah, yeah the chessboard suddenly clicks back up. <laughs> we had that in Force Awakens. Yeah. We had the moment with Finn, both at the the board, the the, the board and the, the training globe. So it keeps 
its focus as being a serious scene, and then the R2 moment, which I know is a, is a little favorite moment of yours, projecting yeah. Leia Organa and, and the New Hope and having ha- Skywalker almost essentially going, all right, I get it, the past, but I, true to this movie, am not going to be connected to the past. It's going to be something different. R2, I can't get you to understand. It's a powerful moment that is wrapped up in poster coolness. Yay, Luke's on the Falcon. Yeah. There's that too, but it has a deepness to it that I really liked. Yeah, and to me it answers one of these long-term fan questions of R2 knows almost everything about Anakin and Luke. And there is that ongoing question of like, does he beep important deep truths to them? And they're just like, that's great, buddy. Go stick a thing in a socket and look up some data for me. You know, they both treat him as a friend and as, you know, a companion, yeah. but never as wise. Yeah. I always think, you know, we know R2 knows everything. That's one of the great reveals at the end of Sith. But I always think he keeps secrets. But at the same time, I, I yeah, I, you wonder. Because, you know, we got BB-8 saying, I got a bad feeling about this. And yeah. we all missed that first time around. <laughs> so maybe R2 over the years has been like, look, man. Hey, Luke, get off this stupid island. Sacred island. Yeah, yeah, but whatever. You know, your your nephew's doing this. Yeah, and I love that it works, that that's yeah. when uh, Luke, you know, leaves and says, all right, I'll at least tell Rey why I don't believe in the Jedi anymore. Yeah. I'll give her those three lessons. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, you're right. It, it, R2 deserves some credit here. He digs in his heels a bit. Yeah. And I think it's part of, and that's why the, the criticism that R2 doesn't have a lot to do in this movie. Yeah, that's fair. He didn't have a lot to do in Force Awakens. We get BB-8 now. Yeah. I love R2 just as much as the next guy, but this is a... This is a coming off the bench with a big hit at a key moment. Absolutely. One of the best R2 moments there is. Yeah, absolutely. That's my number five. On to your number four. Well, my number four is kind of a weird combo. It is Luke saying Darth Sidious and Yoda saying Luke. I combine these weird moments because I really appreciate in the script the care given to like when and why characters use specific names. And it is a thing in all of the ups and downs of, uh, over the years, what Star Wars has paid attention to canon-wise and what it hasn't. One of the things they've always done really well. In the original trilogy, I love that Luke always calls him Ben Kenobi until he sees him on Dagobah in Return of the Jedi once Luke is fully a Jedi. And and, uh, Obi-Wan appears and he says, Obi-Wan. Right. It's the first time he's just straight up called him Obi-Wan because he knows that's his true name. Right. At this point. And I feel like that was con- continuing. Yeah. So from like Luke's perspective, it's not the Emperor. It's not Sheev Palpatine. It is the Sith Lord, mm. Darth Sidious. That is his true identity. And it's not just a like, hey, here's a shout out for people who really love the prequels and pay attention and know that Darth Sidious is, you know, the, the weird guy who shouts on limited power. I'm sure there are some people who are casual Star Wars fans like, who's, what's the, what, yeah. what's a Darth Wittius? What? Who? <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, it was a nice shout-out, but it's more that it makes perfect sense that that is Luke's perspective. That is the true name of that character. Yeah, I, I never really thought of it to those terms, which is why I, I love hearing you talk sometimes, man. You get these deep deep cuts, and yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's like it's like Luke finally accepting the truth about Sidious and the Jedi. It's all wrapped up into that comment that is, on the surface, a cool prequel mention. Yeah. We love it, prequel prequelists, but yet, yeah, that is a clear... Clear choice because he could have said Palpatine. Johnson could have written Palpatine. Yeah. But Sidious is a specific choice to that history. Yeah, it's a Sith. And also suggests that Luke did either did some force communing with Yoda and Obi-Wan and right. maybe Anakin. That's a whole nother thing. And said, like, no, 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 no. I want names. I want dates. I want places. Or else he dug deep because yeah. that's not a name that Palpatine shared. Right. With anybody. He talked to Masameda. He talked to Masameda. Looks <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, no, okay, what was, I knew he had a Sith name, weird horn guy. <laughs> Come on, tell me Masameda. Uh, and then I paired that with Yoda saying Luke. 
because that was another incredibly powerful uh, mm. emotional gut punch in a good way mm. that Yoda, in fact, in that scene, calls him yeah. Young Skywalker. Young We've Skywalker. got some good callbacks to that, the manipulation of names with Snoke calling uh, Kylo Young Solo. Right. Um, right. And there's great things throughout the movie of when somebody uses the name Kylo versus when they use Ben, either yeah. because they're trying to appeal to him or challenge him or just I'm not going to acknowledge your, your Kylo Ren dumb you know, take off that <laughs> ridiculous name. Take off your mask. Uh, so that was so powerful. Once Yoda had Yoda's playing with him, right? He's pushing his buttons, and he's trying to reach out to him and say, "Hey, here's here's a thing that I learned partially through you. Yeah. That no matter what, how powerful you are, you're gonna make mistakes. Yeah, you should learn that too. And now when I'm ready to just really sit down and like you have come so far from that, you know, impetuous boy on Dagobah. Yeah. Now you're the same as me. You're a master who's passed on what they have learned, and now I will use your first name. I won't call you Young Skywalker. Yeah. I won't have any other weird manipulative name for you. It's just Luke, because we're equals now. We're the same now. It, it, and it reads like that so well. So I love that scene. That, that scene with Yoda is rewarding on many, many layers. Yes. Much like this movie. It's fun nostalgia. It's quirky Yoda. It's uh, Master Yoda. All the stuff there and, and the subplot going on with the books and everything. But yeah. You really feel that it's almost Luke's final graduation in a weird way. Yeah. He needs his ma- he needs R2, he needs his old master to come kick him in the butt one final time. <laughs> and then yeah, he, he earns that that Luke name, that yeah. Master Luke, that and then the the great moment about we are what they grow beyond, yeah. which which cuts deep. Uh it, it's a really the emotional undertone, failure and that. Um, are the undertones of that scene, and I love it. Yeah, well, yeah. Ch- well chosen, well timed words. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and and I'll do a quick shout out, and then we'll move yeah. on to uh, the next one. Of I don't take any of this stuff uh, with Yoda questioning things, with Luke berating the Jedi for letting Darth Sidious rise. Mm. I don't think any of that is a slam on the prequels. No, to me, it's a natural evolution of the story. I think from George's perspective, mm-hmm. the Jedi were making mistakes. Yoda was implying that Luke should kill Vader or else it was all pointless. Obi-Wan yeah. straight up says it. These are all sort of errors. In this movie, to me, it's just like this beautiful continuation of that story. I, I actually took that the, when, when Luke said it in the, in the movie the, the first time, I was like, yeah, that's what we've been saying all along. <laughs> that this, the prequels have these themes in it that Luke has had in there and you have to sift through some stuff to get to it. I get that part of it. Yeah. But yeah, it was it, for me, it was a justification of, yep, the Jedi... Didn't fail overall, but there was something rotten at the core, and they got far from where they are, and it was nice to hear Luke say it. Yeah, exactly. In that moment. Uh, my number four is Vice Admiral Holdo oh. jumping to light speed, the heroic sacrifice of Amelin Holdo. Look, uh, this just is a breathtaking moment. There's the sacrifice of it, the what would you do in that situation, the panic, the mad dash. The Rebels on the Ropes, which is uh, a theme throughout Star Wars, right? Because the First Order now, but the Empire before, were the big dogs. They're the favorite to win the match. And here you have this moment where Holdo has to do it. And, and, you know, I don't know if she... You know, I've heard people say, you could have had a droid program it. You could have... But you know what? Like, that wasn't the plan. I think she was just going to fly, distract, maybe meet up with him later. I believe in my heart she knew she was going to die some way. Yeah. But the way she goes out hadn't been predetermined. You know what I mean? It wasn't like her and Leia were like, all right, take the ship through hyperspace, make the jump to light speed into that damn ship. Yeah. Do it. 
So I think it was an organic moment, a, a born out of desperation and the desire to help, and then just how it looked. I'll say it again. Beautiful. But it's <laughs> breathtaking, and I've seen the movie. Every time I've seen the movie, the crowd has reacted differently, but overall the same. There's complete silence, which is why I think AMC theaters have had to issue warnings. <laughs> yes. It's not technical sounds, people. <laughs> Complete science, silence. It kind of goes almost black and white, and it's something we never really seen before in Star Wars. We saw, in Rogue One, third act, we saw some things we hadn't seen before that I loved. The the Imperial Star Destroyers getting crashed into each other, smushed into each other by the hammerhead Corvette. Um, I love at the end where the like the ships are taken off the light speed and some of them crash into the Avenger. Beautiful stuff we never seen, yeah. right? But that was cool <clears throat> wars. The wars of Star Wars. It's a battle. Here is just this almost poetic moment and it's a sad ballad of a song and it just looks technically sound design everything about it is great and then just the the impact of of that moment of that character sacrifice how it will resonate uh, going forward in the saga i just it absolutely moment of first moment i saw it this is this is a amazing Star Wars moment that I'll cherish forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously Laura Dern was amazing, so I feel like she uh, gave that character weight, even if you hadn't read the Leia book. But her being the sort of a a counterpoint to Poe, particularly like the first time I saw it, I thought the scene uh, where Poe is so angry and calls Mm -hmm. you know, kicks the chair and calls her a coward. Yeah. And like, then she does this. This is not the act of a coward. And to me, that, that act... Yeah, drives home that Leia and and Holdo are never you know arguing that you you shouldn't say never tell me the odds and and fly mm-hmm. in crazy. Yeah, just realize like sometimes you have to do that, and other times you have to run. It's when to stand and when to run. You yeah. know that's the question. I I don't again I don't feel like the film is saying don't ever do something crazy and bold because that's a crazy bold <laughs> yeah. thing that Holdo did. It's just she waited and she did it at the exact yeah. right time. Yeah. She sacrificed only herself. Yeah. And the poor Radish. And the Radish. Rest yeah. in peace, Radish. Rest again. in peace, Radish. Man, we need a Radish thing that survives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I hope yeah. somebody just has like a Radish necklace. In the well, right. And <laughs> that Radish thing. But, uh, but even then, and to, to the great album, Radish, you know, he, he died, uh, you know, helping the rebellion form themselves really for the first time. This first victory came a lot. A lot because Radist decided it's time to go. And in in death, uh, in his memory, this ship is made. Akbar commissions the name. Rest in peace, Akbar. And once again, Radis is helping the new rebellion survive and fight another day. You know, I yeah. kind of like it. Hashtag All right. thank you, Radis. Thank you, Radis. That's our number four choices. Now on to number three. Uh, number three is a Finn moment and a Finn quote. And it is, they hate that ship. Uh, I think it is a great, successful, funny line. It really feels like Finn's character. I think one of the great things about Poe and Finn up to a point is they they have this youthful enthusiasm. Right. And obviously that's being tested and challenged in The Last Jedi, so it was great to come back to that moment of his big woohoo when the Falcon yep. uh, flies in. It's a good fist-pumping moment, uh, but there's so much... It's funny, but there's so much in that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it reinforces Finn's character, obviously. Uh, but it also reinforces that this is a movie that challenges the past. Yeah. It doesn't just want to destroy it and throw it all out because it's a moment that's celebrating the millennium effing Falcon. The ship, you know, that we have known since the first film is the hunk of junk. And, you know, that Kylo even references that, you know. Yeah. So it's a moment that has that uh, that dark side of Kylo 
can't stand everything that ship represents, that ship that never should have made it to the Death Star and rescued, you know, Princess Leia and it shouldn't have helped blow up the Death Star and it shouldn't have helped blow up the Death Star again and all the other amazing things that the, the ship has done, you know, in The Force Awakens. It's such a celebration of the Falcon. And like you were talking about the underdog. It's yeah. such an underdog moment of mm. across decades in different regimes of evil. That damn bucket of bolts is still messing things up for the evil people. And you just, all of that is in that. They hate that ship. They can't get rid of it. And to me, it's yet another fist-pumping moment of like, yes, things are being challenged, but we are still celebrating some core Star Wars things. Yeah, the fact that that ship kind of left the world for a little bit, that stumbles back in, that probably makes me even more mad. (laughs) Now, and great, you talk about a character-defining moment that is... A, in, a little look into Kylo's mind and what that ship does and just how he is unstable, again, like his lightsaber. It's just un, it's a powerful but unstable blade, and here he is now in command of an army. He has no one in front of him now to stop him from doing anything, and it's like, it, it's it's also military blunder because all the TIE fighters go off after yep. it, and it, it costs them uh, some stuff there, though Luke would have survived uh, those TIE fighters too. But, yeah, <laughs> and a fun moment too, and we love that ship, so we like that the spotlight is on it. Yeah, exactly. So that is my number three. My number three is Paige Tico is a hero in death. All right, I'll say it again. Another beautifully shot sequence. I love the opening battle of this movie. I love what it means, which is about an apparent success is actually a horrible cost and a horrible failure. Does Poe fully learn that lesson? He does. Should he have been put in the brig? All right, I'll give you that. <laughs> Might have been punished a little bit more, but General Leia slapping you ain't that uh, ain't that good either. The handbrake. There's so many things I you know I love the the World War II movie Memphis Belle and and these bombers harken back to the World War II stuff and not the glorified war, but it just has that feel that old school feel. Yeah, and I loved and you know that is main homage to George Lucas and his pulling from World War II movies and actual battle footage and tying it into Star Wars. And the um, the moment here where Paige dies. Now, going into this movie, if you knew anything about it, uh, you, you kind of knew that Rose had a sister, and we had we had a feeling it wasn't going to go well. Yeah, I mean, her action figure should have said Paige Tico, rest in peace. <laughs> rest in right peace. Right on the action figure. Resistance gunner Paige. Uh, that was the figure that came <clears throat> out. But we just you kind of had that sense that uh, the, the, the medallion meant something and wasn't good. But so even the moment Poe yells the word Paige, and you kind of realize, oh, here we go. I had that kind of like, I wonder how she's going to die, giggle, giggle, giggle. And then the way it happens yeah. is it just weighs on your heart. It pulls on your heartstrings. Uh, a great sequence. I love just when she falls and she wakes up, the silence, she, and, and, and she wakes up. I love that you can kind of see like an X-wing flies underneath because it's kind of the way the bomber works. You can look straight down. And then it is it adds a weight to this moment. So by itself, it's tense. And it makes the battle, see, you know, you're, you're tensing up. I was, my hands were gripping the seat as I was watching this the very first time. You can get lost in that, but buried beneath it is now you have an actual faith, face to the cost of what Poe did and yeah. to the cost of, of, of war in general and what's going on with the resistance. So when Leia's looking at the, the little red icons, yeah. you know that means not just some extra number four or pilot number seven. It's Paige Tico sacrificing herself 
not knowing what that if that sacrifice will work, not knowing how it will play out. She doesn't know the end of the story. She's just in that moment. She's going to do it for the cause. Her and her sister joined up for the, the reason, and she doesn't cower, run away, doesn't eject, doesn't do anything. She gets the job done and is the face of the cost of that first war. And I think it all j- just adds up to, yep, Resistance Gunner Page was a character we knew had uh, was ill-fated, but that fate has a lot of ramifications for the plot, and I love the moment. It, 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 it's Every time I watch the movie again, I'm like... I get sad, but I get excited because it's such a wonderful touching sequence. Yeah, and I mean, just well done as an action scene. Just the it, the successful tension of her kicking that pole, trying to get the control to fall, is just really, really powerful and well done all by itself. And yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a great example of a from a certain point of view of Star Wars. Of right. we've been telling these stories of Star Wars for a long time yeah. and you know we, we we all make our jokes about like there are janitors on the death star uh and i just feel like it is a, a a part of continuing to tell these stories that you sometimes have to start looking at them from a different perspective and i yeah. love that moment where you really spend time with the person who mm-hmm. died you know yeah it's uh the a-wing pilot in return of the jedi is arvel, arvel krynan yeah, yeah. Right? I yeah. mean, Arvel Krynid just screams, and you kind of know, and does his suicide run. Yeah. And you kind of know, like, thanks, Arvel. Thanks, Arvel. Yeah. But there's nothing, the, the film doesn't stop and just remember, like, that's Arvel. He's yeah. got a family. You know, Leia might have personally recruited Arvel, you know? And yeah. that's that's one way to look at Star Wars, and that's fine. That's how we saw it in Return of the Jedi, but now we're getting a little bit more complex, and yeah. sometimes when people die, you got to stop and say, who was that? It's like we spent a moment with Dax Walter in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, right? Dak, right? Dak, Dak Walter. And, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he, but it's a different take. But it's, I can take on the Empire myself. It's a funny moment. And oh, he dies. And imagine if you had, the camera been flipped around more on his face. You know, imagine if, if he had done something, um, you know, not to, I'm not taking away from that Empire moment, but that's what this moment is to me. It is a name and a face, but it, it is a spotlight on what it really means to sacrifice yourself. And yeah. it sets the tone for the movie. It's zeroing in on something that, yeah, and that, that Dak Rolter moment is, is under-examined because he tells Luke to hold it. Right. Or that, that he needs to deal with this. And Luke's like, no, 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 you can hold it. And then it... <laughs> And that's just a little subtle moment, so it doesn't put the spotlight in it, yeah. but it's there. That's such a Paige Tico moment right. going back to Empire Strikes Back. So. Yeah. So that's my number three. Now on to your number two. My number two is Raylo's fight and finishing moves. Ooh. I know. I, I had to use Raylo. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, because that scene is so much uh, all about them. In general, that whole throne room scene is amazing to me from every perspective, from a design perspective. The, the you know, switch and surprise with Snoke, the, the will they, will one of them turn, will the other one not turn? But I wanted to really focus on just how cool the lightsaber fighting is. Yeah. And in particular, both of their uh, finishing moves. Uh, and also the burning of the red uh, curtain. Yeah, it's, red, a, red? it's a curtain. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't, it, it took me until the second time to track that. That is really uh, placed well in the film. There's uh, Ray hacks at a part of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a Praetorian guard. The Praetorian guards are awesome. Yeah. Sends it flying. It hits that strange space curtain and it starts to burn. Yeah. And I like it because it's like, that's what's going on in the scene too of like any bit of, hiding or faking is burning away and we're just getting down to reality yeah and everything is burning around them and uh just to have that that you know you've talked about in other episodes that moment where they come together to fight Mm. the praetorian guards and everybody cheers but i love those final moments where you just see 
Ray being a clever fighter that reminding that she has experience of fighting and getting out of things yep. all the time. It's probably, you know, maybe not the first time somebody's put her in that chokehold and she's just like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> what if I just duck in the drop in the backhanded slice slice is cool. And then seeing Kylo Ren use that lightsaber, that lightsaber that's been the focal point of their battle. You know, it, yep. it came to Ray in the force awakens and the audience cheers. And for her, after having that cheering moment of she got the lightsaber, the monster didn't in that forest, for her to yell, Ben, throw it to him, is so emotionally deep, immediately combined with a, oh, that's so cool, <laughs> lightsaber moment with the just quick turn on, turn off. I, I think uh, it was my third viewing, uh, was no, my third or fourth viewing I saw with you. Yeah. It was my fourth one. I think it was your third viewing. Not that numbers matter. But I, 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 was, I was tickled pink at that moment because that moment happens because it's a great sound. Again, sound design. Just and the lightsaber goes to the head. I hear you going. <laughs> like, you just love that moment. I did not even know I made that noise. But there was little things in there because like you talk about like the, the moment where Ray drops the blade and does the double swipe. I love the Praetorian guard does it. He's not cut in two. He just slump, his hands are slumped and he falls back and it's this wonderful dramatic fallback that really just lets you relish the moment and yeah. that's credit to, to Johnson there and, and and the whole design for that fight because there's those little rewards. I always talk about the big sequences, but there's always little things in these little sequences that really have uh, you know constantly pay off if you watch it again and again and again and that's one of them there. And yeah, and I think it's a Praetorian guard's head that goes flying into the curtain. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it in slow motion. And that 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 fight is so great because it is kinetic. There's a ton of movement yeah. that's cool, but then it has what I want in all fight scenes: a few moments where you can really track the exact logic. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Good number two. My number two is the eyes of Leia oh. on crate with all seemingly lost or about to be lost. The princess turned general has uh, once again done everything she can to save her people, put it all on the line. She's carried the weight of the death of her planet, her husband, essentially the death of her son. And yet she stands ready to fight at the end. And it's that wonderful shot that she's standing underneath the gate on crate, staring out, and the 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 cape, the, the the gown she's wearing kind of forms up into this mask, and you just see the eyes of Leia, and in in, in reality, the eyes of Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a moment with the unfortunate situation of her passing. There's a lot in this movie to look at. The moment you mentioned of her using the Force, the little moment of her with a blaster yeah. shooting at what turned to be Finn and uh, turned out to be Finn and Rose. All that stuff's great. The final stuff with Luke, wonderful. Uh, pitch, the la- perfect. pitch perfect. The inspiration to Ray at the end. We've got all we need. Great. Even the way she plays. Why are you looking at me? Follow Poe. Love all of that. But the 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 image I will take from this movie as as a as a in memory and an honor to Leia and Carrie Fisher, the character of Leia and the real life person of Carrie Fisher, is that moment of her eyes looking out because there's so much to me history in those eyes in character. All the things I mentioned, all the things we've learned about in the books and the comics and the death of Alderaan, the death of her adoptive parents, finding out she's Vader's daughter, uh, turning down being a Jedi yeah. to, to turning down what could be considered personal glory to stay le- in leading, uh, staying in politics, which yeah, has some personal glory too, but she feels that from her heart she must lead the galaxy. She wasn't there for for uh, to watch her husband die. Uh, she's lost her son. It's all 
in her eyes in that moment. And then it is still the eyes of Carrie Fisher. And I've talked about that moment of, of having the chance to meet her in person. And yep, age changes your body, changes the way you look. And she's a 60 year old woman. And, you know, yeah. she is a 24 year old Carrie Fisher uh, uh, killing Jabba, right? <laughs> but I remember making eye contact with her and the eyes, the eyes are still who you are. Yeah. The eyes still tell the story. And I got lost. You could watch that video. I get lost for a second. I drop out of the interview. <laughs> And the person with me had to kind of nudge me to get me back into it. And I saw it again in this movie. And I, for Ryan Johnson to capture that moment, not knowing what would happen, that to me is the, 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 the image that will last forever for Princess Leia to me. Yeah, it is uh, very well spoken, Ken. It is incredibly powerful. There is something about, like you said, that combination of seeing only her eyes. Yeah. But it is also sort of the... The regalness and the power of that design, of that cloak, of that. Yeah. There's a sort of, there's a power to, I mean, there's obviously a power to, to costume and dress, and yeah. there's a power to that. But the fact to me that when you see those eyes, you just are taken, you're just set back. Right. By just, like, sheer power. And it took me a while to, like, think about, like, well, what's she thinking? And to me, it's just right. sort of like, it is deep, deep wound Yes. But still a spark of hope, which is exactly what's going on in the scene. Yes. And I think if you come to a lot of actors and say, hey, we're going to give you this really cool uh, cloak cowl thing. You're going to peer out from under it kind of Dracula-like. Yeah. And could you do exactly <laughs> wounded with the decades of weight of pain, but also still a spark of hope? Could you do that for me? <laughs> you know, a lot of actors might struggle with that. And Carrie Fisher's like, I was born to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a lasting image, man. It's a lasting image. So that is uh, my number two, The Eyes of Leia. Before we get to number one, maybe we should toss in some of our honorable mentions yeah, and we'll yeah, close yeah. out with our number ones here. Um, so I'll, I'll start with some of them. I, I love the moment of Luke facing the First Order in quotation marks. Yeah, it's not really him. Um, don't get hung up on that. Get hung up uh, on the moment. Luke's facing off. It looks so good. The ATM6s oh kind of stop and stutter and, and, and the little AT-ATs, <laughs> that's right, the little AT-ATs are just kind of staring him down <laughs> and it's ties back to Luke saying, what do you want to we'll face the whole First Order with a laser sword? Yeah. And here he is doing it because that's what the galaxy thinks they need and it turns out that's what the audience thought they needed too and we get it from a certain point of view and I just love that moment. That's one of my honorable mentions. Yeah, that's incredibly powerful. Uh, Yoda using force lightning. Uh, <laughs> everything that's tied up in that, that Luke can't bring himself to burn yeah. the tree so Yoda does it for him. But the whole super nerdy great uh, exploration of... Oh, when, when Obi-Wan Kenobi in Empire Strikes Back says, if you choose to face Vader, you'll face him. I cannot intervene. Right. He, he meant that for some emotional reason, for some choice yeah. reason, maybe for his power level as a force ghost, just to know that force ghosts can have a palpable effect on the world in some way. Yeah. And also, it's, it's just it was just such a great, in terms of like the connection of kinetic physical movement to the actual force action. Yeah. I, know I have a great Yoda ornament that's him in that exact pose with uh, his hands on the cane. Oh, and I, now yeah. I wish that it had like squeeze Yoda's legs <laughs> and that one little finger would just finger rise up and like let your Christmas tree on fire. Yeah. And I think, I think it speaks to what you talked about him. I uh, can't help you when you face Vader. I think uh, definitely emotional. I think it's some like, look, kind of like. Qui-Gon saying, I can, I can protect you. I can't fight a war for you. I yeah. think a little bit of that. But also, I think we're learning even more now about Force Ghosts, which has been pretty fascinating because I think a lot of that comes from the mind of George Lucas. A lot of stuff in the Clone Wars that was introduced with Yoda and Qui-Gon. 
I think I think it's something you can still learn, man. And, yeah. and who knows? So what does that mean for Skywalker in nine? You yeah, it opens so many wonderful doors. Uh, speaking of Skywalker in nine, I love the uh, the broom kid at the end inspired. That's right. Tamari Blag is the little kid's name, and actually, there's uh, the the three kids there telling the story. It it, it really drives home for me. Um, what Luke's sacrifice meant. And I look, I don't think this kid, I, 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 he's not the star of the next trilogy. He's not anything. It, I don't know if we'll ever see him again, maybe in a canon comic or novel years from now, maybe. But I do not think this was a, oh, they're setting up the new trilogy. It wasn't. It was to drive po- home the point of Luke's sacrifice and the legend of Luke Skywalker and what that means to the galaxy. And it was a, it was it was a brave ending. It was it was a different choice, much like the end of Force Awakens. Yeah, in keeping Skywalker only to the end, and then ending on this literal cliffhanger. You may not like how Last Jedi answered that cliffhanger, and I understand that. But I love that Last Jedi ends in a different way as well, because it, it Leia saying we have all we need to Ray and all that stuff, and the pork dancing on R 2s head. That's good. That that could that's a Return of the Jedi ending. We could yeah. have faded out there. Written, directed by Ryan Johnson. But to fade out and to come back up into the story, it was a it was a little different. And again, I love the the risks this movie takes. Going, hey, the thing you just saw. Here's what that ending means to the future of the galaxy. It's yeah. not to the future of the Star Wars franchise and the box office and the movies and the stories. It is to in story what it means to the galaxy. And I, and I love that moment. Yeah, yeah. To me, it is about legacy. It's about that there still are kids being born all the time who have the Force. Right. They always have been, you know. It's um, another acknowledgement of the the prequels, that they're always out there. And just because you see a kid who can summon a broom to his hand doesn't mean he's broom kid is going to be a Star right. Wars story. Yeah. The movie, that just a reminder that they're always there, but... Pow- having power, being born with power is one thing. Yeah. It's nothing if you don't have that spark to light it, to say, right. how should you use it? The spark, which is the name of that s- a song that plays, so the score that plays. Ah. And it's Williams. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. William's finest work. A couple more for me, but honorable mentions from you here. Uh, so, yeah, I, I will package up a couple because I, I got too many uh, going from the epic that we've been talking about down to the fun and uh, just full of personality. Poe scratching BB-8's belly like he's a little doggy. <laughs> yes. Big win. <laughs> Big moment. <laughs> what, a, what a weird yeah. and awesome joke. It's just perfect. <laughs> but it is. Perfect. It is. They ha- the droids have taken a huge step forward in the galaxy in this movie between R2, yeah. between, we'll have that whole discussion someday about 3PO seeing um, Jedi Master Illusion, Luke Skywalker, <laughs> what all that is about. But BB-8, you know, it's he got to kick ass, take names, and shoot money yeah. uh, in this movie, and uh, that was just such a great re- reconnection to Poe's love of BB-8, like he is yeah. a truly sentient being, and then to just you know connect back to George Lucas's love of dog, even to give him the little here's my little neurotic Chihuahua gonna scratch its belly. <laughs> Here, boy. Here. Uh, yeah. And then another moment I liked uh, was, is, of course, the Porg scream. Like, oh uh, yeah, you know, the, I, the Porgs were a huge success for me. That scream is powerful. That scream is almost. Um, this is. I mean, this a little bit is a joke and also a little bit true. That Porg scream is almost as powerful as like Tamiri Blag to me. Like, <laughs> it's the spark. It's the spark from a different perspective where Chewbacca is like, ah, we're getting into this, and the Borg's like, yeah, yeah yes, we, we are. are. <laughs> You're absolutely right because we've talked about how in the trailer they had cut it different. They used a different yeah. sound of uh, it was more of a, and here's just a. 
<laughs> and it is more powerful. It was the better choice. I yeah. mean, that, I'm sure that might have been the choice all along. I don't know. Or maybe we'll find, maybe Johnson saw it in the trailer and was like, I want one final fix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, could the Porg voicer do some ADR yeah. for me? Yeah. Um, no, it, it's a great, it is a fist pumping moment, man. Yeah. And then my, my last one is Hux reaching for his blaster. Is, is just a great specific yeah. moment that also says, hey, you got some fun storytelling uh, opportunities in episode yeah. nine. That reminder that these two don't like each other. Yeah. That uh, Hux is kind of powerless unless he can successfully get the whole First Order military to turn on Kylo at once right. and catch him off guard. He's But to just know for sure, if Kylo had, uh, you know, not gotten up immediately right then, yeah. Hux would have tried to put a blaster bolt through his brain. Yeah, and it speaks to how just kind of inept Hux is, how, you know, he would just, he he probably couldn't even do this right. He'd probably need Phasma to do it for him, and how he's just a bad leader, and this movie drives that point home, and yeah. I love that, actually. Um, one of my, uh, my final two moments there is um, the Falcon returning on Crate. It's just, you, I mean, it's tied into your pork mm-hmm. moment, but it's the same thing. It's just... The, you talked about it, the Falcon as a character, and we knew from the trailers he w- it was going to return, but we yeah. didn't know who was on it. <clears throat> well, we figured Chewie and the Porg, but probably Luke, right? Right? Probably Luke. Uh, have Ray in the belly, gunner, yeah. gunner belly position. Gunner like belly. I like this, um, and Chewie getting his due as the pilot now. Yeah, here, doing it all. Boom! Just a fun moment. Finn's wow kind of encapsulates my feeling for the, the situation. And the final honorable mention for me is Ray moving rocks. Yeah, at the end of the movie, and that how, that. Moving rocks, and coupled with Luke's speech, of course, about the rebellion will, will has been reborn, and I am not going to be the last of the Jedi. And cut to her moving moving these rocks, much like him on Dagobah and Empire. It just it is a confirmation that she is who she is. She's nobody's daughter. We don't need to worry about that. Yeah, she is the last now the last Jedi, and now the first of a new breed. Yeah. And it's confirmed in that moment. It's just a nice, nice moment for the character. And such a great combination of, you know, uh, Ray learning these lessons, Poe learning these lessons. They're both doing their best and they, they need each other. Yeah. To, to finish their, their goals of, you know, saving the resistance. Yeah. With the whole moving rocks things, I love the, the detail too, that Luke actually moves rocks too, when he destroys the hut (laughs) that Kylo and, uh, uh, and Ray are connecting in. Yeah. Yeah. Shot practically in one take. What? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. So Mark Hamill throws his hand out. And they pull the rocks back. Yeah, shot practically. He literally moved rocks. Yeah, literally That's so great. moved rocks. All right, we are on to our number one for each of us. These are our favorite moments in The Last Jedi. You know, you guys, I'm sure, have some building up there. Let's see if our final two are on your list as well. I'll start with my number one so the guest Joseph can end on, uh, we can end on his number one. And my number one is Luke Skywalker and the Twin Sons. Mm. You hear the word poetry a lot Star Wars. George Lucas talks about it. Things should rhyme. Uh, I think there's uh, it's clear where it shows up other times in the saga. But here is Star Wars poetry at its absolute best. Skywalker becomes one with the Force to better serve the galaxy. I'm sure uh, the passing. We talked about it with Broom Kid. That's what it means. It's 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 a legend of Luke Skywalker, the legacy, and how he inspires, continues to inspire even in death. So I think we know we're not done with him in some way. Force Ghost Luke will be a thing. I'm sure of it. But I I love this moment. He goes out with peace and purpose. And this is when I talk about if you weren't quite sure. If, if this is the way you wanted Luke to go out, did you want him dying 
on the floor of a Star Destroyer because Kylo cuts him in two? Did you want him blowing up in an X-Wing? How did you want him to go? Because the reality was we figured Luke Skywalker would, would be killed in either eight or nine. We, we sensed his death was coming. So that is why I love this moment because I could not have imagined it. His life ends, his life as we know it. Things will change. Things will be different. Uh, his life ends as his journey began for us. Now, yeah, we do see him born. The Sith uh, ending is there. And you got Owen Lars looking into the twin sons, which is another stanza in yeah. the Star Wars poem. But this is Luke staring out, giving his all, giving his life force. It's set up early. Kylo says to Rey, you can't be doing this. The, the effort would kill you. And I think that is a slight way. Yeah, Luke's more powerful than Rey in some ways, but I think Rey... Ray is a little more, has more power. Luke kind of addresses that, you know? So I, I don't want to get into the ranking of Jedi's yeah. here in power, but you know what I mean, where it makes sense to me that all of this, what Luke did would, would take his life force, would, would also, uh, you know, it's almost like the force was saying, you, you've done it, come on home. It's almost biblical in a way, like, well done, my good and faithful servant. You're coming on into the other side. And that shot, the rocks, him sitting there, and the twin sons, which uh, I initially thought was like a vision, yeah. but I guess Achtu does, and I, lo- I will always say Achtu. Um, <laughs> right Achtu has um, has twin sons. Okay, this has been validated. Yeah, I uh, believe someone double check me. Look it up in the visual dictionary. Uh, don't bother Pablo. Just look it up in the book. Um, I believe he's actually so he's actually seeing it. He's there. actually yeah. seen it. Okay. But even if he wasn't, even if it was just a vision, uh, I love the poetry of the moment. Yeah, the power of the force that he timed it uh, to that that moment. Yeah, to me, it's so great about reconnecting to. I, I love that Yoda brought it up. The horizon that yeah. you've always been staring at the horizon. You know, when he was <laughs> yeah. young on Tatooine. He was yeah. wondering what else is out there. And now he's seeing everything that's out there, and he wants to know what's out there beyond mortal life. Yeah. Because in order to disappear, you buy the Star Wars story we know this far. He's trained. Yeah. He's thought about it. And he wants, just like when in A New Hope, when he is standing there staring at those twin sons, yeah. he wants to look in the horizon. He wants his next adventure. It's such a happy, blissful uh yeah, moment from the character's perspective of he didn't want to fight this fight on our mortal plane. He wanted to have that next adventure yeah. just as much as he didn't want to just be a, a moisture farmer for his whole life. Right. No, and I love I love because as, as, as a moisture farmer, he's looking to the future and the adventure to come. I think here he's, he's also looking at what did happen. And like you said, this, this final adventure, this new adventure, which it's all wrapped up in the yeah. beautiful moment of Star Wars poetry. That's my number one. And Joseph closes out with your number one. My number one is Ray's Got the Books. Uh, now, this ties in with uh, one of my very favorite Luke Skywalker moments. And I think just my new favorite thing in the world. Like, I think the rankings would go my wife, then this. The uh, <laughs> Luke's whole speech of the amazing, yeah. every word you just said is wrong. Yeah. Like, that alone, going to be a great internet reply for a long time. <laughs> but just the power of the things that he lists, of yeah. the rebellion is reborn today, the war is just beginning, and I will not be the last Jedi. Yeah. That is powerful all by itself, and we're cutting to Ray, like you were talking about in her great rocks moving moment. But then... All of that tied up in the fact that Ray's got the books. Yeah. Now, like as a society and as a culture, a lot of times when we see a story, uh, we invest a lot of meaning in the end. I think it's an interesting part of The Last Jedi that 
we're investing more meaning or seeing more meaning in things that are happening in the middle of the movie. Mm. And there's so much great meaning in the end. And I think one of the most powerful things is Ray's got the books. It's a fun, almost Easter egg to spot because it's real fast. You don't, you know, sometimes it takes a couple of viewings. You know, a lot of us tweeting back and forth to each other like, no, 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 I saw it. She's got the books. But when you stop and think about what does that mean? Mm. It means that she made that choice before she left of like, even if Luke doesn't believe that these hold anything of, of value because they'll just lead to dogma and failure, I want to know for myself. I want to know my place. And I've had visions of these books, and I think there might be something that doesn't mean anything to Luke anymore, but they might mean something to me. Yeah. And she's not, there's those crunchy details of like, oh, there's information about a kyber crystal, and she can make her own lightsaber, but also like, are there deep ideas that are going to impact her? Are those books going to say like, Hey, you. Uh, this is what's going to help me train mm-hmm. Jedi. This is what Luke's work, the Visual Dictionary, I was reading uh, a little bit today because it just came. Yeah. Uh, that those books weren't just there. That's Luke's library mm. that he's compiled. Yeah. So it's his life work of rebuilding the Jedi Order, and she basically takes it and says, "I don't believe the Jedi are done yet. I know I'm the first of the new Jedi." And I know maybe I need to do something new, but I'm not giving up on the old. Yeah. I want to study the old and find out if there's something there for me. Yeah. I, I, I love it. There's so much there. And you're absolutely right. It, it, it carries this, this, what you're describing is, you know, this downtrodden, grumpy Luke, as we knew going into this movie, we're going to get grumpy Luke. And then that upset a lot of people and I understood it. But that's sometimes the reality. That's why I think Last Jedi is more of a realistic take on Star Wars than we've seen before. And there's often times where either the person who's being mentored or just some, you know, younger generation or someone else helps re-inspire someone who's lost their way. And Luke has lost his way. And you can have a problem with why he didn't jump back into the fray after Kylo became Kylo. I understand that criticism. But I think... Luke Skywalker didn't know why he didn't jump back into it. I think Luke spent some nights going, why am I not out there fighting? And then he starts to concoct those reasons. You can get behind this. It doesn't matter. And this is all wrong. And those books, they're not page turners. They're (laughs) sacred texts. That's all they are. But they do mean something. I also think they they probably go back to the core of what it means to be a Jedi. Yeah. And so Rey, in taking those books and, and going off, even though it goes bad, it does go bad, and it does. He ha- does have to come back, but he he comes back. He chooses to come back in this way because he was inspired by Ray and the next generation, and it all makes sense and it ties together. And the fact that he he probably was like, yeah, those uh, you know, d- I don't even know if maybe he doesn't know the books were gone. Maybe Yoda in another scene is like, hey, by the way, she took the books, dummy. I don't know. Yeah, maybe but once I think, he becomes one with the Force, he's like, oh, yeah, no, ov- I get it. The overall feeling behind Ray taking the books is deeper than just. An Easter egg on a Screen Rant article. Yeah, it's just a it's it's a fist bumper to me because as much as I like think the story of the prequels is the failure of the Jedi, mm-hmm. and Luke tries to to start over with the Jedi. I I want to believe in the Jedi. I want them to be heroes, right. and I know that a lot of other people felt like this was saying, "Boo, get rid of all that." Mm-hmm. And to me, the fact that Ray has those books makes me feel like a kid again. Yeah, because it feels like she might be a different Jedi. But she values the heritage. Yeah. She wants to be not a light side force user. She wants to be a Jedi. Yeah. And a Jedi 
she will be. Yeah. Like her sort of uncle father figure before her. <laughs> that is our list of our favorite moments in Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. There are many others. Others on our list that we had to cut for time or just made the hard decisions. And I'm sure you guys have some of your favorite moments. We want to hear from you. You can go on Twitter and follow us at Force Center Pod, like our Facebook page, and use the hashtag Star Wars Ranked to tell us your favorite moments. This podcast is available on a lot of different places like Podomatic, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn. That's right. We're on Spotify. We also have a Patreon page. Check us out at patreon.com slash uh, Force Center as we're trying to reach our goals in 2018. That's right. A movie commentary is on the way if we reach our next goal. Joseph, thank you so much for bringing your point of view, your great Star Wars insight to this important, that's right, Lit Teachers, strong <laughs> statement, important list. It is. Thank you so much uh, for having me here on the podcast. Yeah, you got a lot of adventures yourself as uh, well uh, out there in the internet land. Where can they find you? You can find me on all the social media, Twitter and Instagram in particular is at Joseph Scrimshaw. That's just my name with an at in front of it. And I always have a bunch of different shows coming up, uh, some in Los Angeles and some all over the place, including uh, one in San Francisco Sketchfest on January 13th. Into one that on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can follow me at Ken Napsock. Got my podcast on Napsock Files. I'm also on Anchor with the show Daily Thrones, talking Game of Thrones every day. Season 8 is a long way away, but we have a lot to talk about. That is it for today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Star Wars has been ranked. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.